they don't believe in time. I'm 25 and treated like I'm 30. LMAO. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and as always you can find me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball, Facebook.com slash RedRockBasketball and Instagram is at RedRock underscore B-Ball as well. Back for another show this week. What we're going to be doing in today's show is looking at the very, very early data from uh, from ESPN in terms of their ADP and, and some of the uh, ranking stuff that's over on their side and just discussing, um, I guess, my thoughts on how some of that stuff has been panning out so far. So let's get to it. To it. Before we get to it, though, just um, a quick shout out to everybody who has joined the Red Rock Listener Leagues. They filled up extraordinarily quickly. 12 head-to-head leagues, 12 roto leagues, all filled up within two days. Um, so that's yeah, that's huge. The winner of all those leagues, of course, goes into a Champions League next year. So uh, you're all competing for that. We also started a new 30-team Rotisserie Dynasty League, which has kicked off. The draft has started. Very happy with my draft so far. Steph Curry, George Hill, and I just picked Al Horford, so I'm pretty happy with that starting trio in a uh, in a 30 man league. So that's uh, that league. Uh, that league is going on well. The um, the head to head and the rotisserie listener leagues. Those drafts will be held in the middle of September. They are not drafts that you need to be there at a specific time. I think it's a six or eight hour time limit per pick. So it's a slow draft. It'll take place over the course of the month of September. So people worried about, oh, I'm going to be asleep. I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be at work. You've got time. You can set your queue. You can auto one pick at a time, two picks at a time. It's one of the great things about having the leagues on fan tracks is it allows you to do these slow drafts and have all these uh, customizable options. And if you're looking for somewhere seriously to host your leagues, Fantrax gives you the most options out of any site. You can do pretty much anything you want. Dynasty stuff, it's unbelievable. The, the slow drafts, obviously, um, all that sort of stuff is, is uh, amazing over on Fantrax. So if that's where all the listener leagues are hosted. If you're looking for somewhere to host your leagues and you're pissed off with the ineptitude of Yahoo and the... Uh, and the restrictions that ESPN offers you, Fantrax offers you none of those. It's 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 great. Go over and uh, and do that. So yeah, everyone who has joined those leagues, I look forward to uh, seeing how all those drafts play out in the coming weeks. And uh, the Roto Dynasty League that's uh, that's chugging along nicely. As I said, what I'm going to do in today's show is I'm going to look at the very early data from the ESPN ADP stuff. Now, obviously, that ADP data is skewed a little bit by their rankings. Some of their rankings are pretty weird, and they're different. Like, you go into a draft room, and there's rankings there. If you go onto the website and click the part where it's got player projections, they're different. Those numbers, those rankings are completely different. So I'm not really sure what's happening. I don't think that they're projections are tied into their rankings they don't seem to make sense i don't know exactly what's how that's all working for them but the numbers are weird and there is room for you to exploit it either the ranks or the adp stuff to try and get some players i have gone through every team so far at basketball monster and projected out every single player that doesn't mean that the projections are ready to be released because i have to go back and redo them all or not redo them but 
you know, you know, you do them all once and you go, okay, they're done. Let's see how it all pans out. Then you go back and look through every player and go, does everything here make sense? Does this all make sense? You know, does this team balance together? Does everything fit well? And then that's that's the next stage of the process of projections for me. But the first, the first pass of all of the basketball monster projections has been completed. So when I talk about these ADP numbers and what I think might be over or under, I'm obviously using the projections that I've done over at Basketball Monster to give me an idea of where all that stuff falls. Um, again, I cannot stress highly, I cannot stress more, I, can't, I, I cannot say it enough that when you see the stuff on Basketball Monster, it's not rankings, they're projections. And having a player 51 and another player 57 doesn't mean that, oh, yeah, 51 is six spots better than 57. That's not what any of that means. It's, it's, that's not, you should be ignoring the number to the left that puts them in numerical order. You're looking for how you fill out your categorical holes. Giggity! You should be looking to see how positional scarcity goes, how statistical scarcity goes, all these different things, where you're picking, who's picking around you, the numerous different things that you should be doing rather than just going straight off a list. Because if you want to draft straight off a list, play a points league, play fantasy football. That's how all that stuff works. Who, who gets more points? This guy, let me take him. It's not how it works in fantasy basketball. It even, I guess it does in fantasy basketball points leagues. And I had, did have someone who put a thing up on uh, the fantasy basketball Reddit saying that they wanted to find a podcast that talked about points leagues. You know, he, he listens to this podcast, but he wants one that talks about points leagues. There won't be one. And the reason there won't be one is because A, it's not a popular format and B it's impossible because every points league has different formats. So a person can't come in and say, well, Brooke Lopez averages 30 points. So therefore he is better than Al Horford who averages 29 points because in another system, assists might be worth double and Al Horford might average 34 points and Brooke Lopez might average 28. And therefore that information is bullshit. You can still, you can, anything that I talk about in this can be translated to points leagues in terms of a player's increase in value due to um, injuries, usage changes, trades, new roles coming up, who looks good, who could be pushing forward. All that stuff is translatable. Obviously, just when I talk about categorical stuff, that's not the same. But in saying that, play category leagues. Don't play points leagues. I guarantee you the joy and thrill and enjoyment of it is just a hundred. It's nine times better because it's nine categories. It's eight categories. I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. And people, I play with people who play football. I don't care. It's a different game to football. The reason why it probably doesn't catch on as much as football is because people try and compare it to football and they, 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 they're they playing the same thing, the same game with different players and they might not like the NBA as much as football, but you put them onto categories, it's a completely different game. Um, I'm convinced it will work. That's me. Let's talk ESPN ADP stuff. I'm going to go down the list and just talk about guys from either either direction, whether I think they're too highly ranked or too too uh, too low in the uh, in the ADP stuff. The top of the draft is is fine. You know, Russ and, and Jim Harden are coming out as number one and two, and I I can't see anything wrong with that at all. Adedokumpo, Davis, and Towns, Curry, Durant at the top seven. I have a little bit of an issue with LeBron going before Kawhi. But there's nothing too outrageous. I think Rudy Gobert at 11, maybe maybe a little bit high. But one of the things we do need to remember is finding centers is tough. And you can say, that's stupid, Josh, because Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Nikola Jokic, DeMarcus Cousins are all players who could go within the top 12. And I'll get you, that's true. But the around the league, the amount of centers who are going to be limited is is out of control. There are going to be so many guys who don't play big minutes, who teams go to small ball, 
and they're not going to be getting your consistent 34 minutes a game. So finding someone who plays center and gets you those 34 minutes a game or 33 minutes a game is going to be important because there are going to be plenty of teams that run you know, 27 minutes and 23 to another guy or 24-24 splits or you know, 29 and then puts the power forward there and runs small for the rest of the game. That's what's going to happen. So finding those upper echelon centers is tough. Every team is going to run a starting point guard that plays at least 30 minutes, you would assume. There might be a couple of exceptions. Maybe Chicago is one of those. But every team is going to have a 30-plus minute point guard. And while there are elite point guards like Harden, like Westbrook, Curry, Johnny Wall, Chrissy Paul, those sort of guys in the first and second round, through the third to sixth round, there's 20 point guards that could go. So you can find quality point guards there. And as you'll see as during these lists, there are a few who are <clears throat> whose ADP is, is pretty low. The first one that stood out to me as being a bit off was Gordy Haywood with an ADP of 21. Now, that's all fine and dandy if he was still playing for the Utah Jazz, which even then I think is probably a little bit high. I don't, I don't really think that's a, that was a, would be a great spot to pick him. But heading to Boston where he has to now share offensive load with Isaiah Thomas, who's also going to take a hit, and Al Horford is also there. Yeah, the, the players that are there, there is, I can't see any way in the world that Gordy Haywood finds himself at 21. I can't see him really even getting into the top 30. I think he's a fine top 50, top 45 sort of a guy. But I cannot see any way that having him at 21 is a valuable selection, especially when you look at the other guys who are who are under him. CJ McCollum, Draymond Green, Kemba Walker, Brad Beal, Kyle Lowry, like all those guys. No doubt that I would rather have them. Mike Conley, and there, oh, there's another one I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, no way that I'd want Haywood at 21. So that that one is one to avoid there, I think, at 21. DeMar DeRozan at 26 seems bananas. It just seems way too high. I like DeMar. I have been a fantasy defender of DeMar DeRozan for a very long time. You, you've, if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, or even if you're a short-time listener, you would have heard me rant against the people. So I don't want DeRozan. Doesn't shoot threes. My shooting guard has to shoot threes. And I'd be like, that's great. Scores 25 points, gets the line 10 times, influences your free throws like nobody else, gets four assists and five rebounds. Nobody else does that. So find your threes from friggin' Troy Daniels or, or Ryan Anderson. But at 26, that's bullshit. It's too high. And you, you used to be able to get to Marta Rosen in the 80s. I'd say, no, he's like a 50-ranked player. I still think he's like a 40 to 50 sort of guy in, in that sort of a range. He's not 26. He's not a guy that's on the back end of the second round. And I really like DeMar DeRozan. I love what he does for fantasy. That free throw influence is huge, and that probably bumps him 10 or 20 spots. Last year, he was the 44th ranked player. So ESPN's going, cool, we'll think he's going to take uh, an 18-spot jump. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fly with me at all. I, I can't see that. The next two are guys who are, I think, low. Um, and un understandable for one, not for the other necessarily. Joel Embiid at pick 30. On a per-game basis, Embiid's going to be nudging the first round. He is going to be right on. I'll tell you now, in the first pass of Basketball Monster Projections, in a per-game basis, he's top 15. Like, I won't tell you exactly where he is, but he's top 15 in, on a per-game basis. The problem you have there is how many games is he going to play, and nobody knows this. But I think 30 is... I, un I understand the risk associated with it and I assume that uh, that's what people are taking on board and I can understand taking him at 30 but we're talking first round upside with Joel Embiid so that's you know, someone might want to take a swing on that the one that I'm more have more of an issue with is is Miles Turner who comes in at pick 32 and to me that just seems 
crazy low. Like Paul George is gone, Jeff Teague is gone, Monte Ellis is gone. Miles Turner is uh, Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo are going to have big years now. Turner did fade a lot last year, and I talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast. If you're in a dynasty league, buy buy the shit out of him, like buy as low as possible. He was struggling, he was fading. You could have got him for anything. This guy's a top twenty sort of player. He blocks shots, has high field goal percentage, has high free throw percentage. He's going to score a lot. He could legitimately, I don't know, I don't think that he will, but he could be a twenty ten. Two block, 50, 80 percentage guy. And maybe he starts hitting 0.7, 0.8 threes. And a steal a game. He is massive. And at pick 32, while it might not seem low, there's no way that I would take Gordon Haywood or DeMar DeRozan over Miles Turner. No way at all. Carmelo Anthony at 38, high. Um, he hasn't been that high in recent years. He has uncertainty of where he is going to play. In New York, you just think that things are going to... F- Push a little bit more towards uh, towards my man Porzingis. Porzingis. And if he happens to get traded to Houston, there's no way. Now, I saw someone trying to make an argument the other day that Mallow going to Houston increases his value significantly and pushes him into the top 15, which is honestly one of the more unfathomable statements that I've heard. Uh, there is no way that that is the case. So 38 for Mallow is definitely a name value sort of thing, as I think is Devin Booker at 39. Now, I like Devin Booker. I've said this a lot of times. I think he's going to be good. He isn't yet. Now we have him. I think his, his projection is pretty is pretty aggressive for us on Basketball Monster, and I think you might think when you see that it's a little high, but it's not that high. That's that's too high for for Devin Booker, as is Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins comes in at forty six, and sorry, Wiggins last year when he was the second option on that team couldn't even sniff that. Now that Jimmy Butler comes in. You, there are only so many shots to go around, and Wiggins took an extraordinary amount of shots. Like, he was at 27 field goal attempts per 100 possessions last season. Butler was at 22, and or 23, and Towns was at, like, 24. There is no way that Wiggins is main. You cannot have three guys getting, you know, 23 to 24-plus field goal attempts per 100 possessions, even when you got Jeff, especially when you got Jeff Teague in that starting lineup. My name is Jeff. Wiggins' scoring, his field goal attempts are going to drop. I have... Zero doubt that his field goal attempts are going to drop, and he has shown absolutely no ability to rebound, steal, block, pass, he or, or really hit threes in high volume. He hasn't shown any ability to do that. So 46 is extraordinarily aggressive. Now, I know he's heading into his fourth season, big jump forward, but the presence of Jimmy Butler takes away his part of his main strength, which was, I am a 20-point-per-game scorer. He might not be that. His shot attempts are going to drop. And he needs to supplement it with other things, and I'm not sure that he will. Benny Simmons comes in at 53. Not bad. It's 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 high. It's high. We 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 don't know exactly what they're going to do in terms of minutes for him. I don't think minutes restrictions are going to be too much of an issue or games missed. He'll miss some games. Um, but it's it's too high for you know. I would be okay with taking Lonzo Ball around that range. Maybe that even is a little bit too high. Ben Simmons for a guy, I just, I'm just not sure with his you know, poor, poor shooting. He's not going to hit threes. Um, Marco Fultz is around sharing the ball. That's why one of the advantages that Lonzo has is he's not sharing the ball with anyone. So I think that that's a little high for Benny. I think Simmons is going to be a good player, a very good player, but I don't, um, I, I don't believe that, uh, I don't believe that he's going to be that good, or he's going to be putting in that level of um, that level of production to be picked that high. That's uh, that's picking him at ceiling, and that's never what you want to do. 
Dennis Schroeder at 54. You might say that seems fair. I say it's I say it's low. Uh, I say it's low. I, he's he's got top 30 upside. Who the hell else is going to do anything in Atlanta? It's going to be him, and you can talk about inefficiency, and that's 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 a concern. But he is going to. He had a usage rate without Millsap, Corva, and Hardaway last year of 46. It's not going to be 46 this year, but he is going to be pushing 30. He's going to be over 30. There's no doubt. He is going to shoot a lot. He's going to average 20. He could get seven to eight assists per game. Um, yeah, steal a game, one and a half threes. He is going to exceed that number comfortably, as is Ricky Rubio, who comes in at 57. I can't see any any reason why Rubio would be at 57. He is running things for the Jazz. He's going to be passing all day to Gobert in pick and rolls. He might not have the exact same numbers that he put up in that second half in Minnesota, but I don't think he's going to be too far away, and that's too low for Rubio. And this is talking about, again, all adding into what I was saying earlier, is that you can get these quality point guards in these middle rounds. Schroeder, Rubio, the next guy, Drew Holiday at 58. Feels high. It might only be 15, 20 spots too high, but it's, it's or too low, but it's too low. Like he, that's what I mean. He should be like in the 40s, 45, that sort of a range. It's, it's around too low. So it's another little bit of value there for him. Markel Fultz is at 60, much like Simmons. I feel like you're taking him at his peak, at his ceiling. Could he get there? Eh, of course he could. Could he get to 50? Of course he could. But the chances are he finishes at 80, 85. That's just what happens with these rookies. And again, unlike Ball, him and Simmons are sharing the ball. They're, they have got a usage monster in Joel Embiid on that team as well. So it's not like he's just got an unfettered, unfettered access to the ball and to shots and to do everything that he wants. So I think that's a little high. These next two are probably the most egregious to me, and that's Marching Gortat at 63, when there is absolutely no way, unless Yan Mahinmi is out again, there is no way that that is, that is happening. In the second half of last season, when Mahinmi was back, Gortat was ranked outside the top 200. He played like 24 minutes a game. They split the minutes. That is what's going to happen. Gortat is almost 34 years of age. That is ludicrous. I know he's been a consistent fantasy threat, but look what happened when they actually got their backup center back. They split minutes and he was he was not useful. That is a waste at pick 63. If, anyone's, if anyone listens to this podcast and picks Marching Gortat at 63, I want your address. The next one, Dario Saric at 65. Man, what the hell? Now, I know Saric put together nice numbers in March, but that's it. That's what he did. He put together nice numbers in March. He looked great. He is one of the most... And I hate, I hate saying this because I love the guy. I really like Sharich. I was massive on him before he came over. Loved him when he came over. But we've got to be realistic about this stuff. He's going to be the sixth man. The Sixers are going to start Fultz, Reddick, Covington, Simmons, Embiid. He's the backup four. He plays a little bit of backup five, but Rashawn Holmes is there as well. He's not repeating what he did for a six-week stretch in February and March. It's, it's just not happening. He is a ludicrous, ludicrous draft position for Sharich. And there is no way. It is that ludicrous. He is ranked eight spots high. His ADP is eight spots higher than Bob Cuff. That is bananas. There is no way in the world that I would want Sharich over Covington. No way. Not happening. The next two injury picks, Levine at 66, Jabari Parker at 67. Parker, you can just absolutely forget about. Do not draft him unless it's dynasty stuff. He's not playing till February. Forget that. Levine reckons he'll be back October, November. The Bulls are an absolute shit show, so he's probably back in December. He'll be eased in. He'll be minutes limited for at least the first month, you would think. Back-to-backs, all that sort of stuff. So he's fine as a pick at 130 or 120. At 66, it's middle of your draft. You're screwing yourself. And he can have top 50 potential. 
but that might come in March. He might have a top 50 March. And what do you do for the previous four or five months? Love D'Angelo Russell here at 68 because I think that's great value for Russell. We don't know what the Nets are going to do. Do they start Lynn and Russell? That's what I would do. Do they start Lynn and Crab? That's what Zach Lowe thinks that they would do with Levert there as well. Um, but regardless, Russell was playing 30 plus. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. It's going to be at the one. It's going to be at the two. He was like a top 40 player in the second half of last season when they uh, started giving him consistent minutes. He is going to be that guy again in 68. Again, another point, another point guard that you're getting in these later zones that is going to be able to put up massive numbers who has top 40 upside. Love that for Russell. The pencil Harrison Barnes at 71. No, no thanks. Nope. I was, I was a big advocate on Harrison Barnes last year on, on the pencil, on taking him and just seeing what happened. Because people were like, you know what? He was one of 17,000 in the last three games of the finals. Therefore, he is terrible. And I sort of took a broader view of that. So, well, let's have a look at what he did over four years. And let's see what happens you know, in a role where he gets bigger usage. And turns out he was all right. But he also wasn't the 71st best player. And the Mavericks also added a higher usage guy with Dennis Smith into this team. He's not going to be 71st. Ludicrous. Bob Cove, 73, equally ludicrous. What the hell is going on? Covington is a top 50 player. Now, he probably will take some sort of a step back in usage, but his game is not usage. People get usage confused with everything. And I'll say this again. Usage is field goal attempts. Usage is free throw attempts. Usage is turnovers. That is it. That is what usage is. It is a percentage of your team's plays that you finish, and you can only finish them in three ways, taking a shot, taking a free throw, or turning the ball over. So usage does not impact your ability to get rebounds. Usage does not impact your ability to get steals, or your ability to get blocks, or your percentages, or your assists, or how many three-pointers you are hitting. It, I guess it sort of moderately impacts your three-pointers because that's a field goal attempt, but not really because it doesn't impact your percentage of shots of the threes or what percentage you're shooting them at. So while his usage might shrink, he's still he's still a two-steal, one-block, eight-reboundy type of guy. That's what his potential is. And if he's getting better looks from Simmons and Fultz, the percentages should rise. He is the... Well, not the best. He was the best by RPM small forward defender in the NBA last season. He is a top five small forward defender in the NBA. He is not getting benched, benched so Dario Saric can play out of position and try and chase around small forwards or Ben Simmons. He is starting. He is a key piece. And if you don't realize how good Bob Cove is, have a look back to the end of last or the last six, five months of last season. That is a ludicrous ranking. Julius Randle at 72 showed some signs last year. Also, a lot of that was because he played 30% of his minutes at center. That won't happen this year because... Brook Lopez is not Timofey Mozgov. So Lopez is going to be getting those minutes. Now, Lopez's ability to increase other people's rebounding is huge, and that's going to enable Randall to actually play a little bit closer to the basket with Lopez's stretchiness and maybe grab some more boards. But I still think with Nance there, with uh, Zubats, with Lopez, with maybe Kuzma getting some minutes, Randall's not going to be getting 35 a night. He's not going to have unfettered access to that small ball five role with, uh, with Lopez around. So I think 72 is probably a little bit aggressive. It's not too bad, but it's it's a little aggressive. Rudy Gay at 78, surely that is just name value. He will come off the bench for the Spurs. He's returning from an Achilles. He is 30 plus. None of those things should be saying good things for you. Now, Rudy Gay at his peak is a top 40 player. He's not at his peak. Achilles injuries screw guys. How's Wes Matthews looked after his Achilles? He's had like 80 spot drops in his rankings. Brandon Jennings hurt his Achilles. He's playing in China. 
Anderson Varejel finish his career. Like very, very few people come back and once you're at 30, it's real, real tough. Plus, he's going to be playing a reserve role back up behind Kawhi Leonard, back up behind LaMarcus Aldridge. He'll play his 25-ish minutes. He thinks he'll be fit for camp. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, that's that's a bananas pick to me. Jay Crowder at 82. You know, you got to like what Crowder can provide, but I don't really. With uh, with Haywood around, with Marcus Morris around, the minutes just won't be there. That is not an upside pick. Just wanted to quickly throw in that Kobe Bryant's ADP is 83, so shout out to people drafting Kobe. Zach Randolph at 84. No, 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 not at all. No, he had a sky-high usage last year at a rock-bottom true shooting percentage. He was really bad. He played limited minutes. He's not coming to Sacramento and playing 30 minutes. He will not start over Scal. Um, he will play off the bench. He'll play his 20, 22. Look, the guy's like 37 years of age. I know they paid him $12 million a year, but they're not giving him 30 minutes a night. He can't do it. And if he can't do it. So that is, even at Zebo's peak, 84 is probably close to too high. It's not happening. Georgie Hill at 85, I really like that. I think there's value in that. Um, he will start, he'll play the one, he'll play the two. He has he has legitimately top 35 upside. Probably won't get there with the Kings and the injuries are a factor, but that's just another guy, another point guard that you can get at this spot or in this draft later that you, um, you don't have to go for too early when you can try and solidify some of those big men. Jason Tatum at 89 is ridiculous. Struggle to crack the top 200. No way 89 comes true. Rajon Rondo at 90. I think you probably know or you think you know what I'm going to say, but that's too low for Rondo. Yeah, that's too low. They are making mistakes. Um, they're making mistakes in the uh, in your lands by starting him with Drew, but they're going to start him with Drew. And his ability to get assists and steals in 30-ish minutes means that he is higher than that. So he should be picked higher than 90. Derek Rose at 91? Sorry. No. Yes. And you know what? If Kyrie goes, Rose's value increases. Probably doesn't even increase to this high though. And the fact that Derek Rose is ranked or ADP is eight spots higher than Jeremy Lin is one of the dumbest things in this list. Lin at 99 is stupid. Lin is a top 35 player, top four. And you can talk to me about injuries. Oh, he's injury prone. Cool. He had a hamstring injury that just kept going. And he's... That's it. He had a bad hamstring injury. That was it. That was the problem. There is no way to think that a hamstring injury is just going to continue into this season. I can't see that happening. He was absolutely ridiculously good in his limited minutes. He won't be playing limited minutes this year. He'll be at 30, 30 plus, and there's no way you pick him at 99. But if he's around at 99, you take that every single day of the week. Kyle Corver at 103 is bananas. Not happening. Willie Cauley-Stein at 115. I think that's too low for Cauley-Stein. If you can get him there, that should be a center that you're pretty happy with and feel good about getting 30, 30 minutes or maybe 30-plus minutes. Um, that's a that's a nice spot. Aaron Gordon at 125. He was top 50 last year when he moved into the starting power forward spot. Beautiful value. The Blue Arrow at 131, Jamal Murray. Come on. No way. He is a top 75 player. That is crazy. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson at 134. Nikola Mirotic at 135. We'll start with Rondé first. That's uh, that's too low for uh, that's too low for Rondé. He's a guy around 100, 110, I think. But Miritich, if he goes back to Chicago, we're talking top 75 with legitimate top 50 upside. I understand the risks. I understand the frustration. Um, I understand the shitfulness of the coach. Um, but yeah, there's more value there than Miritich at 135. Same with Marcus Smart at 138. You might hate his field goal percentage, but you should love everything else that he does. 
And Darren Collison at 139 is a bananas ranking. He's going to be the starting point guard in Indiana. He's been a top 40 player as a starting point guard before. Um, somewhat has to do something on that team, and Collison is going to do something that enables him to be inside the top 130. I can assure you of that. Malcolm Brogdon at 141, massive steal. Rocket Rodney Hood at 151, come on. He's a 20, he could be a 20-point scorer on this team. Gaz Harris at 152, now you know that that's ludicrous. Gaz Harris is going to push the top 50. That is bananas. TJ Warren at 154, people are just thinking, oh, Josh Jackson's coming in and playing 35 minutes a game, and TJ's going to 20. No, that's not the way I see it at all. TJ is a guy that is super valuable, ridiculous scorer. Jackson can't score, can't shoot. Warren is going to have his role where that's starting or off the bench, and it's going to be large. So that's that's crazy. Chrissy Dunn at 168. I think Dunn's terrible. But I also think that he's going to play 30 minutes as a starting point guard in Chicago, and that means he will get assists. He will get steals. He will somehow scrounge his way to some points. He will be horrendous. The team will be terrible, but the fantasy numbers will rack up because he will get the minutes. So that is a good late pick there. Scalabissier at 177 is outrageous. No way he should be that low. Mo Harkless at 182 is also outrageous. With the loss of Alan Crabb, he has to play more minutes at the three. There's just no way around that. And he is going to play more minutes, and he has got top 100 upside, no doubt. And the one that's probably the most baffling is Jinglin Joe Ingles at 187. He's going to start. He's going to play 30-plus, and he is going to be a top 100 player. And that is definitely one of those ones you want to have in your queue. For the draft, ready to go and just go, bang, I'm just taking that with one of my last couple of picks because there is no way that 187 is where he's going to end up. Now, in terms of the, the rankings that are up on the site, some of the, the I can't even take any of these seriously. They've got Devin Booker at 15, Anthony Davis at 19, Wiggins at 20, The Pencil at 35, Jokic at 30, Levine at 27. It makes zero sense. I cannot take any of that seriously. Jabari Parker's at 46. Of course he is. Draymond Green's at 55. Why wouldn't he be? Marcus Morris is at 67, which is ahead of um, Nurkic and Ricky Rubio. Josh Hart is at 115. If you don't know who Josh Hart is, he's a second-round guard selected by the Lakers who's barely going to play. And he comes in ahead of Jeremy Lin, Willie Cauley-Stein, Nerlens Noel, Clint Capella, Rajon Rondo. Those rankings pay absolutely no... They make no sense whatsoever. TJ Warren is ranked at 221. Gaz Harris... He is at 223, Marquise Chris is at 228, and Brandon Ingram is at 229. If that doesn't tell you how pathetically wrong they are, then I don't know what will. And I don't know what these rankings mean, how they come to them. They don't appear when you go into a draft room, but if you look on the site under projections, that's how they're projected. Makes no sense. So that's just a, a bit of a, I guess, overview into how I'm thinking of some of these players, what I think is going to be steals or, or, or traps to avoid falling into. Um, I'm going to go through and, and uh, obviously refine all the basketball monster projections over the coming week. But that's my early thoughts on all of this. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball and subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Google Play, on uh, TuneIn, on Stitcher, and now on Spotify as well. So if you get your podcast from Spotify, you can do that. You can also see this show on YouTube also. So give it a thumbs up, give it a subscribe, and give it a review. That is the best way you can help the show. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Kendall Marshall.